I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good evening and welcome to the Gallant Feud podcast and tonight we're looking to cover the most recent English Premier League round. I'm your host Jamie Royals and tonight I'm accompanied by two of our guests and um, we've got Graham and Johnny. Graham, uh, nice to see you back, how's things? Yeah, well good Jamie, feels like ages since I've uh, done hmm. one of these, obviously a two weekend on Arsenal break never helps but yeah, good, good, to, good to be back to real football. Good man and uh, Johnny, um, are you fresh from the international break? I'm great, mate. Thank you. International break went very well. Before you even try and bait me, um, glad to be back. Hi, Graham. Hi, Jamie. And hello to everybody listening. Good man. Now, guys, as ever, as we said before, I like to. We've had a bit of a two-week a two-week break. We've had international break. Um, so uh, this week, um, everybody was looking forward to some tasty games, and to say it was probably. Um, uh, you know, that the comeback weekend was probably a bit of an understatement. And what I mean by that is a lot of teams have obviously came from behind and uh, managed to finish out winners. Um, What we'll try and do is we'll try and cover as many of the games as we possibly can. There's a few talking points in each of the games, kind of keen to get your thoughts on what you've seen and what you've heard and what you've read and what you actually watched as well. Um, I think it's only apt that we start with the early game, which was uh, Wolves um, and Liverpool. Um, Johnny... As I said from the off, um, you know, Liverpool ran out winners, but didn't make it easy for themselves and had to come from behind. Um, a bit of a typical game of two halves, shall we say. Um, what was your thoughts on the game when you watched it? Yeah, I, it was it was an enjoyable game. Um, Wolves started really, really well. Um, they dominated the first, I'd probably say, definitely the whole first half, and maybe five minutes into the second half. Um, Neto, in particular, was was outstanding. He turned Gomez inside out over and over. Um, uh, Gomez was just chasing shadows, um, and it looked like it probably should have been more, mm-hmm. more than the one they had. Um, but changes were made. The game was kind of turned on its head, and then it was all Liverpool. 
Um, and I thought for that point, like 50 minutes onwards, Liverpool looked like they probably should have and done really well to turn the game on its head, yeah. So, enjoyable game, mate, and probably a wee bit more alarming again for Wolves. Yeah. Graham, just on that, um, I think the, the same fixture last season, Wolves were 3-0 up in the first half, and realistically, they probably should have been 3-0 up in the first half in this game as well. Not notably the big miss from um, Matthias Cunha uh, right at the end of the first half. I don't know whether he was trying to head, but head the ball, knee the ball, or, or caught in between, but probably story of them so far, isn't it? They the struggle to score. Yeah, totally. Look, um, obviously, the, the Rangers game is on at the same time as this one, so I didn't see this one live, so I'm assuming you both watched it, so you'll probably have a better insight. I'm, I'm uh, watching the match of the day for this one. Um, I think uh, when you speak about Wolves, like, there's definite issues with Wolves anyway. I think we all know I'm not Gary O'Neill's biggest fan, but um, I think there's wider issues at play with Wolves, and it seemed as though they seemed pretty comfortable in the first half. Uh, to be honest, it seemed like a real game of two halves. For me, the the glaring thing, obviously, one all. I just don't really know what uh, Jose Saz doing with that. Um, trying to rush it out, he gets the ball, tries to rush it out, kind of miss kicks it. Um, from there, Andy Robertson gets it, and yeah, he does well, brings it down. But it's such a horrendous goal to lose, and I actually think. Even even the goal, like even the concede part from the keeper, I think it's just a nightmare for the keeper all round. To be perfectly honest, and um, I really think Liverpool could have from <clears throat> from the highlights could have potentially struggled just to to win that game. And I think it was a real a real um, a real uh, blow for Wolves, and it was just really bad goalkeeping in my opinion. Yeah, the defence not great when Robertson picks up from what forty yards and and passes Salah and gets his way into the box and as I say it was just to get beat here on the post and kind of under the keeper just a poor goal all, all round and when when you're Wolves and you're maybe struggling these games like this kind of where you where you snatch um, when you snatch a loss from the jaws of kind of a point I guess if that's even a saying then uh, yeah it's, it's not going to do you any good yeah, um, Johnny. Just I, I know you obviously watched the game live. Um, this was um, very notable in the first half of uh, no Van Dijk, no Trent. Um, as you said, Gomez and Matip, you know, coming in looked massively out of depth, which really worried me. But I think um, to kind of put it on the on the in the first half, McAllister and Zobersly, who we've been singing the praise for the for the opening season, they were misplacing passes. They were getting the ball taken off from quite easily, should I say, in the first half. The second half, though, um, McAllister was subbed because he was on a card, but Sob was like, he then ran the show, didn't he? It was like something something woke up. It obviously, Klopp had obviously got a hold of him in the, at halftime. Yeah, I imagine he ruined him, mate. I think I messaged you during the game. I know you were occupied, but I don't think I'd seen Liverpool that sloppy. Um, for a long time, uh, they they just kept recycling possession, uh, giving it away over and over and over. And Wolves were punishing them; they just didn't have that clinical edge, barring that goal. Um, I don't think they have an issue pretty much anywhere on the park in terms of squad, with the exception in defence. I think there still is a flag there. Um, they have leap goals. We spoke about that pod after pod, but when they're missing key defenders, what they're bringing in, 
know some people sing Gomez's praises and that, but just fair enough, it's an opinion. I'm not convinced, um, especially if you're looking to title challenge. Now, I know they won the game in the end, but I think if that was against a more potent team, I think that could their game could have been over at half-time with the way they were playing. Yeah, and we've obviously got the Thursday game coming up, which will be interesting to see how he rotates the team if need be. What I will say, though, about Liverpool is, you know, they've made a really good start this season. Yeah. I mean, when you look at their first five fixtures, uh, you look at Chelsea away, Newcastle away, and Villa at home. I mean, those are three teams who realistically would have been tipped for top eight at a minimum. I mean, it's not the easiest start when you look at maybe other other teams, but I guess look, Liverpool are always going to go for the title, title whether they're ready mm-hmm. for it or not at this point. They're always going to be tipped to a challenge. And it's a really good start for them, especially when you look at how Man City and Arsenal have started. So, fair play to them. Yeah, they might not have played well. They've got some some suspension or injury issues, but you know they've, they've got 13 points out of 15, so it's a good start. Yeah. And just on that game, just... Um, Obviously, Ange at Such Spurs have got a lot of the plaudits. They've got the same points as Liverpool, and Liverpool are probably not being talked about in terms of you know how they've started the season. You know, uh, getting points on the board. You know, it kind of compounds what you've just said. Really, that nobody's actually looking at Liverpool when they're looking at the league. They're looking at City. They're looking at Tottenham. Um, I think Postecoglou just got manager in a month again. Klopp's got the same results. Um, so I'm quite happy that they they're just being left alone, shall we say? And as I say, look, it's all about the, the first five games they played. When you when we talk about Man City winning five out of five, that's great for Man City. But when you look at the, the first five games they had, when you include Fulham, Sheffield United and Burnley in that, for example, and then you look at uh, Liverpool's uh, first five games, vastly different. So, yeah, of course, maybe it's going to suit Liverpool going under the radar a wee bit at the start of the season, potentially kind of like Arsenal did last season. Mm-hmm. I think when you look at Arsenal's fixtures for the first eight or nine games, you fully expected to think, well, if they can be top after that time, they could mount a, a challenge. And that's what they did. Maybe Liverpool are looking at it, you know, if we can be near or around the, the top of the table after eight or nine games, then, you know, we'll build momentum. Yeah. Um, Bring it on to another game. Another one um, left it late, came from behind was uh, at Villa Park. Um, Aston Villa um, needed to come from behind um, and have what I would call a, you know, a fairly evened out game against Crystal Palace. Um, you know, 3-1 doesn't do the game any justice if you think about how it was finding out. Um, the, you know, it was all Villa from what I've seen um, and then Palace managed to get themselves ahead, which was a shock for everybody. Um, but Somehow, Villa ended up scoring three goals, um, but no Watkins on 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 the score sheet again. Goals coming from Diaby, David Luiz, um, and uh, Leon Bailey. John, um, are Villa doing what we anticipated them to do at the beginning of the season? Or they, you know, they kind of they, they seem to be in and out, don't they? They get a result, they don't get a result, but they're scoring good goals. I think they're always going to be dangerous, Jamie. Um, they have the tools, they have the players for that, and they signed really, really well. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, they left it left it late at the weekend. I think that's now nine nine home wins in a row. I think, yeah. Um, some changes in the team. I mean, I don't know if you noticed how high Matty Cash is playing up the pitch. It's almost like a winger. Um, yeah, his, I did notice that. He's yeah, so high. Yeah, it was the same uh, when he got his double when it was the last week, week before, but really, really high up the pitch. Huge attacking threat. Um, the one we called out is what we thought was potentially one of the top uh, 
signs of the season was Diaby, who seems to be settling really, really fast, which is uh, which is good to see just for the enjoyment of watching a player. Um, yeah, we bit erratic, and they've got a lot more football to come. I think that's where the test will be. A bit like there's a hell of a lot of teams in that position who you know, probably not been used to it, at least not for some time, and how they're going to deal with that. Um, but I mean, look, it's a bit like Liverpool. Um, they they got the job done, so mm-hmm. you have to give them credit. At the end of the day, um, Palace looked okay again. They done okay. Um, just Villa had just had a bit more, especially first half. When before Palace went, I one nil up. It was all Villa. Mm-hmm. You know, they had all the possession. They had the, the, the host of the chances. But yeah, just didn't have enough in the end. I must correct myself. I think I said Bailey, Bailey scored. It was actually the lad Duran. Um, absolute Beautiful finish. Uh, absolute beast of a goal one. Connected yeah. really well with it. Um, and Graham, um, obviously with Palace, it, you know, you, you, you kind of have to factor in the back there, the kind of tough news that they got at the beginning just before the game was that Roy Hodgson was taken um, really unwell, um, which meant that he wasn't going to be pitch side. Do you think those things leave an effect on players going into a match, or do you, do you think it kind of amps them up a little bit? And what I mean is, it's not every day, you know, Palace scoring goals away from home, getting the leads, um, you know, probably done themselves a bit of justice, really. I don't think that would have made too much of an effect. I don't think it was in serious, so I don't think um, there would have been any extra motivation. Um, and I think when you see, you know, Pep missing the last two games of Monday, I think these are experienced managers that, that run their team and their squad well. And, and, you know, if they miss the game or they're not in the touchline, I don't think it should make any too material difference. I think Palace, yeah, OK, if you look at the stats, are heavily weighted on Villa. But actually, if you look at the way the game went, I think Palace are really unlucky. I think they were robbed. I don't think it was ever a penalty. You're talking about they're 1-0 up going into the last five minutes of the game. We've just spoke about the strike that, that um, Durang got, which was phenomenal. Like No one's saving that. It's one of those, you've just got to hold your hands up and say, right, they've scored. I think a draw would have been a fair reflection. And yeah. then the wind's taking out your sails in the 98th minute when it's a penalty and it's never a penalty. The ref gets told to go to VAR and keeps the decision. I, I just think it was poor. Poor officiating, and that takes the wind out of the sails. Then all of a sudden, Villa go and score a third. Um, so I think a, a draw would have been a fair result. <clears throat> I think Villa are going to be relatively consistent this season, but I think when they lose, I think they're going to lose big or they'll, they'll drop some silly point. I still expect them to finish in the top seven or eight and do a, a long run in the Europa Conference League, which I would imagine is their target this season, to be honest. I think they're probably going to be well. Um, well on course for that. I would expect this sort of be favourites, haven't they, for that? Oh, I, I absolutely have Villain for the, the Conference League, especially with Emery. Um, he's won the Europa League about eighteen hundred times. So look, I think for the Conference League for sure, um, they'll be they'll be favourites. So yeah, no doubt. And that the league form it'll be interesting to just see um if or how that wavers with the, the Thursday Sunday, you know, any any fan of a club that's 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 done the Thursday, Sunday, knows um, mm-hmm. how more difficult it is to a Champions League Tuesday, Wednesday to a Saturday, for example. So it'll be interesting, but they do they do have a strong squad. Um, if they can keep in Jeffrey, I think they'll, they'll definitely be a danger for a lot of teams in the Premier League this season. And as I say, maybe top seven would would be a good would be a good uh, finish for them. 
Cool. Thank you very much. Um, Johnny um, Fallen managed to edge out Luton um, um, in a 1 0 win. Um, Vinicius um, managed to get himself on the score sheet. Um, it's just not looking great for Luton, is it? No matter what they try, they're just not getting any points on the board. Um, very, you know, from the highlights that I've seen, they had plenty of chances as well. Um, probably should have done a lot better with the chances that they did have, but for some reason, they're just not getting these ones put down. Yeah, listen, I thought that was the best Luton I've looked. Um, and I thought they were unlucky not to come away with something. I really did. Uh, I was listening to Silva's talk, uh, post-match chat and he was adamant that they were best in everything, best in chances, best in play, best possession. It's like, sorry, no, mate, you're talking shit. You were not. Um, maybe for phases, but I thought Luton gave as good as he got. Um, the lad, Jacob Brown, early on was very unlucky. I think he hit the post by a header. Uh, and talk, talking about uh, Vinicius, I thought, I never really thought about the time when we were discussing, like, Jimmy and Jimmy's moving that to Fulham, that I mean, he, he ended the season quite strongly last season. I thought well, maybe why they've not used him more. Um, as far as I know, he's been fit. So maybe maybe that'll give him his wee, the wee turn that he needs and get, start getting a run out. But yeah, I think Luton can probably feel hard done by by that one. Yeah, they've lost the game and it's not going to change that. And it is going to be a long season for them. We, can, we all know that. It's probably going to be, well, it is going to be a yo-yo. But I thought they gave a reasonable account of the set of the weekend. They just definitely lack that quality. And Graham, um, from a Fulham perspective, it's quite obvious who the star of the show is for them right now. Um, Paulinho, he was he was immense from the replays and the highlights that I've seen in the Fulham game. Do you think he, do you think he passes January and 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 a Fulham top, or do you think he's off? I, I think uh, I think he probably does pass January, to be honest, and, and I only say that because. Um, the amount Fulham will be asking for him. Uh, I think January's a really tough window, as we know. He signed a new contract as well, didn't he, last week? Which means that they probably inserted some kind of clause. I would have thought so. I, I think you'll see him there this season, and if he continues the form you've just kind of alluded to, then you know there, there might be a bit of a bidding war in the summer. Look, January's a tough window, and I don't know. I just don't see it unless you know you get to January and like Man United or something. It's like a desperate like Chelsea want to spend another billion pounds. Yeah, yeah, maybe a Chelsea <laughs> Man U. Who knows? But um, nothing more to add to the game than what Johnny said. He's covered it. But yeah. what I will say about Luton is, um, I think their season. I don't want to be over the top, but I think their season could be quite easily written off. Um, in the next two or three games. I mean, you've got Wolves at home next Some now. big games coming up, aren't they? Yeah, and, and early doors, because the last two games, if Nana lost by a goal, arguably they could have got a point home at West Ham. It was quite close for away to Fulham. So if they can if they can take those kind of strong battling performances into Wolves at home and, and get something, I mean, you can't lose that game. Then two days later, uh, a game later, you've got Everton away and Burnley at home. So you're talking about three games against teams just now who are looking potentially definitely bottom half. So, I mean, you've got to be going. If, if they get four points from those three games, for example, I'm looking at that and going, right, Luton might have a chance. You yeah. never know. But, I mean, if, if they get a point or they lose those three, I think, I think the writing's potentially in the wall even this early. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, and from one end of the table to the other, um, Graham, just sticking with you, um, Brighton absolutely outclassed Manchester United at Old Trafford. Um, you know, I can I can take a lot of I can take a lot of positives from that game, but it, you know, I don't think it was a surprise. That's probably the biggest 
the biggest factor about this, isn't it? Um, Brighton really, really turned up on Saturday. I tell you what, it's a surprise if you're the bookies. The bookies had well, Bet three six five had uh, Brighton as two to one to win at Old Trafford. Now, so it just goes to show you that there really is still some. Um, some belief in Man United, for example, when it comes to certainly your 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 betting, uh, your betting odds, and, and and your big boys in the betting. So, and and Brighton who have done nothing but really show up this season, and certainly when they've turned it on, they, they have turned it on to to win a couple of games at home. What four one? They've just went to Old Trafford and won three one, and we'll have probably all seen if you have social media kicking about the. Um, the passing moves, you know, from the De- Zerbe and um, how Brighton looked and, and didn't just win. It wasn't a smashing grab. I mean, they thoroughly deserved it. Man, you are just at absolute odds just now. And it's really, it's really hard to see a way out for them. I mean, generally, it... See, 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 if you were, see if you were a Manchester United fan, what would you be most worried about right now? I would be most... Performance? I, would, I, I think... And, and reading Gary Neville as well, it's not just about, it's not really about the manager, it's just about everything. The way the club, they've spent over a billion pounds and, and just nonsense. Their, their squad just seems completely a complete misbalance. They've got players in there that probably really should have left by now. I, I think their midfield is particularly pretty weak. To be perfect, honest with you. Well, um, so, so just to clarify this, so we're talking to midfield. I know Mount didn't play at the weekend, but you've got in the midfield of Ericsson, Mount, Casemiro, Bruno, and McTominay. I mean, let's let's say Fred as well. No, Fred's in Fenerbahce, isn't he? I think he's in Fenerbahce. I don't think he's. Is he? Okay, uh, I think he's, yeah, he's. He's gone. So that's what I mean. Like, and then you've got the young lad. I think who came on at the weekend was it Medley? Um, it's like it's not a terrible midfield, you know what I mean. It's, it's not probably great, it's not great. I mean, God, they, like Ericsson, I thought Ericsson would be a bit of stopgap. Um, McTominay, okay, he's doing well for Scotland, but mm-hmm. is <clears throat> if you're Man United and and you're um, you're looking at glories gone by, I mean, th- this midfield wouldn't get near some of the midfields in the last 20 years. I don't think some of the players. Mm-hmm. I totally get Bruno Fernandes, their captain. I'm probably of the opinion that I think he could have done with, they could have done with moving him on a couple of years ago. Um, I think they just needed a full freshen up. I think the midfield, just not for me. Again, Christian Eriksen, I mean, really? like Because he performed well for Brentford, they got a move to Man U. I just didn't think he would still be there, let alone starting. I think Mason Mount, not for me. Um, personally, I don't think his heart's totally in Man U either. Um, John Terry came out commenting on um, Mason Mount and it sounded like the way he left Chelsea wasn't great. Um, mm-hmm. Chelsea boy through and through and he says that story will come out one day. So it makes you wonder, you know what, yeah. what kind of way is he actually at Man U? I just, think, I just think they, I mean, they needed a proper... I think they could have done with more of a clear out. We spoke last season about mm-hmm. Eric Den Hag put in good foundations and you know if they if they brought in and cleared out players well, they could have really pushed like not maybe just away from the title, but I think they would have been solid third place, no problem. So, 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 so let me ask you this then. So not to kind of keep it all on Man United, but two major transfers that they did well, they made three major transfers in the summer. They made brought Mason Mountain for seventy million. <laughs> They brought Anana in for fifty plus million, and they brought Highland in for seventy million. 
I would argue Hoyland was probably the only one that they actually did need. They could have they could have used that money elsewhere. Um, but it doesn't sound like that's what Man United are happy with. They, they're happy with the transfers they've made, but for some reason it's the, the Maguires, the McTominays that they can't shift because of financial fair play. Do you think, looking back, they just had a terrible transfer window? Or is it, it just more, it, more rooted? Yeah, but all and above. Like I, I don't think... Um, like. De Gea, maybe, time to go, maybe, yes, I, I don't know, but I think if he had stayed, it wouldn't have been a disaster, like, um, I think when you talk to any Man U fan that, that love the club, um, they all say that he was far from the, the biggest issue, you know, mm-hmm. keeping De Gea was one thing, I think paying what they paid for Mount is frankly ludicrous, and I always go back to what Madsen went for, 40 million, mm-hmm. if you're going to spend these big bucks, like, I, I do feel like the, if, you know, you keep De Gea, um, and you put some of this seventy million towards, you know, a Declan Rice or a Saicedo, for example, like um, real central midfielder. De- Declan Rice, I think, had to be man new this season. I think that's the kind of player they had to go for. Personally, mm-hmm. um, they didn't. Hoyland, they needed, yes, but <clears throat> I think jo- Johnny spoke about it last year. He said how he said how um, what's the word he used? Um, he wasn't. Tested, I guess. Yeah. He was still young. He was still pretty young as a player. So now he's coming in a struggling Man U team with probably the world on his shoulders. And it'll be interesting to see how he deals with that. But um, for sure, I think they spent a lot of money. But I mean, is that is it wise spending? Really? Like, again, see, even a James Ward Prowse, I think he would have been a better player for Man U than, than what they've what they've got or what they went for. So, absolutely, I think it was it's poor all round, personally. I think they could be in a much better place building on what they did last season, at least picking up silverware, and they didn't. Yeah. Johnny, I know I know you've been sitting on your fingers waiting to talk about Brighton because, obviously, you've absolutely loaded them and how well they played. Um Ten Hag had some weird comments after the game, didn't he, about squad, depth, money spent. Um, what was your thoughts on what you heard on that? Bizarre. Utterly bizarre, mate. Um, I'm still not really trying... Uh, been... Just remind Looking us again what he said. I, I don't know the exact quote, but he was talking about um, club spending, and he was talking about saying Brighton spend too kind of thing. So whether he was trying to say that Brighton have spent a lot, of money, a lot of money in the team, yeah. yeah, or if he was trying to get something else, I'm really not 100% sure. Uh, it kind of just felt like he was clutching at straws um, and a bit desperate because they got played off the park. Um, <clears throat> it's probably a bit of an eye-opener for him too. But, I mean, listen, he's pretty much covered Man United. Um, they are just... Say that the first game of the season, and I've said it pretty much every game since, they have not looked convincing at all. Not even close. And I agree, I think the Hoyland transfer, yeah, it could pay off, but it's a huge gamble. That was on the back of what, eight international goals? I think it was, maybe nine. That's what he was signed on. He only had a few handful for Atlanta over a whole season. So okay, that well, amount of money. Appearances or something for Atlanta, didn't he? Yeah, and most of, most of his appearances were, were a bit part to the bench. So, why you would throw that amount of money at that? They need tested players. I think Graham's right. They need Premier League tested players. 
until they can at least get some stability back. They don't have it. They've not had it for since Fergie left. It's never been there. Um, Brighton were outstanding, mate. I, I can't. Honestly, I love Brighton. I love to watch them. They're just such uh, a team that's so easy on the eye. The Desebri is he deserves all the plaudits, mate. I mean, he's working with next to nothing. Mm-hmm. He, he knows he's going. His players are going to move on. You know, his best players are going to be sold. They won't clear the squad out. They're very, you know, they're astute like that. They only sell what they need to. Um, and they, they're making such vast profits. They don't need to just, you know, have fire sales. They don't have to do that. Um, but, I mean, yeah, mate, they were, they were really, really good. And Man United got found out. Simple as that. The, um, I think that was Pascal Gross. That's his mm-hmm. seventh goal in 11 games for them. Against Man United, United. Yeah. yeah, he just haunts them, and even Welbeck seems to love a goal against them too. But yeah, they just cut them wide open, mate. It looked so yeah. simple and easy, and it could have been more. I think uh, I seen a thing that was that Milner became the first person to win four diff- with four different teams at Old Trafford against Manchester United. Um, so yeah. uh, rent himself more records. I think the one bit, I, I, obviously, you guys have kind of hit the nail on the head with a lot of the points. I think the one thing that I like really about Brighton. Seems effortless. Whoever they bring in, like for example, Estepinion's probably been arguably one of their most key players in the last eighteen months. Didn't play at the weekend. Tariq Lamptey, the forgotten man, come in, got himself two assists. Like he just slots right back in. Two mm. weeks ago, we were talking how well Billy Gilmore was. Didn't even play. Like it just seems whoever they chuck in, um, just just fits straight back into it. Um, who was the lad? Was it Evan Ferguson got a hat trick in the last game? Obviously couldn't play. Danny Welbeck comes back, slots straight back in, gets himself a goal. It just, regardless of who they put on the field, it, they they all play the same way. They've all got the same kind of um, work ethic. They look brilliant. They seem to be dying to play for them. Yeah, absolutely dying to play for them. They, uh, I mean, I'll I'll abbreviate this. The Talking about the spend, right? Obviously, there was a graphic that was going everywhere with what Brighton's value was worth. And to put it in perspective, it came in at a squad, but sorry, just the first 11. First 11 was 16.2 million. There was, well, one, two, three, four, five free transfers in that. And the highest transfer was 6.9. After that, 2.6 and going down. Man United's first 11, they had a few through, a few from the youth and a free and a loan. But then when you add the rest up, it comes to 376 million. This is in levels, euros. Isn't it? That's not including the bench. I mean, the bench at Man United had was even crazier. Um, it's 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 obscene, mate. So how they're doing that on that budget, I just think it, it screams that they're doing something right. I think as well, it just shows as well when you get a good balance. So Deserby's clearly a good coach. Like, there's no doubt about it, but what I wouldn't want to see is him getting a man new job next and failing because you need that balance of a well-run club with a good coach rather than an absolute shit show and you know what's going on at like a Chelsea or man new. So hopefully Deserby when he does finally move on, it's that club that, that's well running and he can really show what he can do at a really kind of elite level. Um, the thing with Brian is <clears throat> minus that West Ham result, a bit of an outlier really. Um, West Ham played well that, that night but Brighton are turning over the teams they should be turning over and, yeah. and looting and Wolves and then the last two games have been 3-1 victories against Newcastle and Man United away. I mean, um, Newcastle and Man United away. I mean, 
they're looking really strong. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing them in Europe this week. Absolutely, and, and that's what I was about to say. Look, we, we talk about Aston Villa for Brighton. They are not a club that has a, a deep um, deep dive of European history. So, again, it'll be interesting. Johnny's just talked about you know, their, their squad and what it's worth, and, and absolutely some of the signings have been incredible. But whether they have that depth to survive both Europe and mm-hmm. um, and the Premier League, listen, I'll definitely not be wanting to meet them in the Europa League, that's for sure. But see, they've got the right manager for it, haven't they? Which is probably what you were touching on there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So look, be interesting to watch them this season for sure. I'll enjoy kind of. I saw Napoli like this last year. Um, mm-hmm. I enjoyed watching them from a neutral point of view. I was actually quite disappointed when they went out in the quarters. I thought they were one of the best teams I've ever seen. Kind of limped out in the quarters, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll be looking forward to kind of seeing how Brighton do this season. To be honest, and yeah, hopefully, hopefully, I get a good wee run in Europe and, and continue their form in the league. Good, good. Um, Johnny, that brings us to the next one. Um, if if we said Villa left it late, Spurs left it set very late, didn't they? Um, they were 1-0 down at home um, against Sheffield United. Looked very, very lacklustre um, with the main 11. Um, Son, for example, Kulisevsky, all the players that, out, that completely shone in the last game really laboured this week um, and it left it to the subs of Richarlson to come on uh, of all people and actually to get um, I think it was his first goal at um, at Tottenham and at the home stadium sorry um, and they ran out 2-1 winners um, what was your thoughts on that game Johnny did you watch that one yeah yeah I've seen the, the majority mate. Um, it was yeah, it was very late, um, and there was, as you said, there was a huge amount. I think, of it, was, I think, I think it was the ninety-eighth and something like the ninety. It was at the hundredth minute or something, wasn't it? It was a ridiculous, yeah. ridiculous injury time. Yeah, um, I mean, Sheffield, uh, they've done well. We got their goal. Uh, is it Hamer? Hamer? Homer, I the guy from Homer. Coventry. I think they picked him up yeah. from, didn't they? Lovely, lovely finish. Um, took that really well. But I mean, Spurs pretty much had the majority of possession and the ball. Um, yeah, they looked a bit lackluster, but they, they still were pretty much in control. So, I mean, that goal kind of came against her on the play at the time it did. Um, and then, obviously, we had... There was a couple of talking points when McBurney's red, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was ridiculous. Um, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think the guy is a gangly moose who should be delivering post. That's my personal opinion. But that was incredibly harsh. Um I know what we're talking. We know why why it was given, but I still think it's one of the most hollow reasons ever. Mm-hmm. We talk about these new rules about you know time wasting, descent and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I get that, but there wasn't a descent there. The guy was pulling his shirt. He was pulling him back. The ref was about four or five yards away from it, and he said, "Ref, he's pulling my shirt when he gave the foul," and then he books mm-hmm. him. You know, and then he's off. I mean that. I just think it's it's we've spoken about it before. They've let the cat out of the bag with this, and it's only got to get to a stage where there's going to be nothing. You can't react in any way, shape, or form, and you're going to end up player centre or left, right, centre um, for the most ridiculous reasons. And that kills. It didn't really kill that game, but it was, see, I think they were they were, they were two one down at the time. They wanted it, so I don't. Think yeah, it, it's not like it had an impact on the game. It was just more but of a, a. It's a sign that it could impact. Point. Some incredibly important games. Excuse me. So yeah, I thought that that part of it was. But I mean, there was a obscene amount of yellow cards in that game. Um, I had a wee bet on that game actually. So keep it up with the fellows, lads. 
the the sorry, then we had Peck and Arsenal his big rant at the end. Uh, I felt a wee bit sorry for him to be fair, because uh, I could understand where he was coming from, you know, with a lot of it. But the what he did, what he kind of left out, probably intentionally, was um, for Fotheringham, isn't it? It's got in yeah, Fotheringham, the goalkeeper, yeah. He wasted so much time in that game, like a crazy amount. He went down two or three times, like he was done, he was finished. Took his gloves off, like he was ready to be subbed. They had a sub ready to come on. They had the medical staff. He was down for God knows how long every time. Got back up and played on each time. I don't know why he done it, because they're going to chuck the time on anyway. But, I mean, it was them that caused all that injury time, or at least the vast majority of it. So it kind of came back to bite them on the arse in the end. Graeme, just on what Johnny said, um, I was actually I actually felt sorry for Fotheringham. I thought he was outstanding the whole game in terms of saves, shot stops. He was, he was a big dangling lad that was getting on everything, wasn't he? Anyone that knows me knows that I loved Wes Fotheringham when he played for <laughs> Rangers, and I never wanted to lose him at all. I knew at one point he'd be in the Premier League. I knew he'd be a Premier League goalkeeper, and I knew he'd, he'd have games like that because mm-hmm. he has that in his locker. And absolutely, I thought he had a great game. Um I do get what Johnny's saying. Look, <clears throat> time wasting as a goalkeeper, and you're trying to protect your lead as a bread and butter. However, when <laughs> when you've got this rule implemented in the Premier League now, where you know time wasting's all going to come back at you, it does seem a bit silly to then do it now. Um, Haking bottom, some of his points, okay, but most of all, I think he was just a bit better. You know, they lost two goals in the last minute of the game or whatever it was. Um, and the first goal was a pretty poor goal to from a set piece. Second goal, some dig for the edge of the box. Um, and as you said, look, Richardson got the first goal and then he gets an assist for the second. So, good sub. He sounds like he's went through a bit of a tough time. But um, I think it's one of those games, Tottenham still impressing a, a different win um, against a team who were time-wasting pretty dirty game really when there was about 13 or 14 yellow cards um, and they, they still got the win so yeah and interesting to see how, how when this kind of run will stop because it, it will definitely will and that was well, I think yeah, they've, they're up against Arsenal this weekend aren't they so they got a big <coughs> test I've got to say I'm really looking forward to that game because you know um, we'll get um, get into I'm sure whatever but Arsenal solid start this season but yeah that's that's going to really be a really good really good game one to watch hopefully um, and uh, at the top of the table, as you alluded to earlier, is obviously Manchester City. Um, again, went behind, had to come back, ran out three-one winners. Um, Johnny, I know, uh, I know, uh, Haaland wasn't really doing it on the day, was he? He missed a few. Excuse me, I remember you were putting in the chat that, that he couldn't hit a ball door up until the point that he actually does put it in. He was missing some absolute glitters. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Sorry, mate. Yeah, it was, it was a, it's been the same the last couple of weeks, to be honest. Even though he is scoring, and he is still, you know, he's ridiculous. But he is, he does miss some stars as well. Especially in in recent games, uh, I think we talked about. I don't know if it was last pod pod before, but he was he was spun them, and there was maybe two or three at the weekend that were pretty much bread and butter. Um, yeah, the couple where he was unlucky, obviously he took the goal well. He just fizzed it. Um, the I mean, West Ham gave gave a really good account of themselves. To be fair, um, it, it was a decent game, and as we say, he got on the score sheet. The lad Doku is a uh, that bust the pace or turn the pace is, is frightening. Yeah, uh, he, he he pretty much walks. So a winger that walks, and then he just goes, and you know, it, it's almost like a trickier version of Walker in terms of pace. But see, it's him and Walker on the same side. Like that must yeah. frighten left backs when you're looking yeah. at super bombing at you. Yeah, if they if they're overlapping each other, you you're definitely in trouble. Um, I mean, West Ham had their chances as well, Jamie. Um, mm-hmm. the, I mean, we've seen Ward Prowse, who has kept his run going. He's been excellent. Is that his third goal? Second goal? Uh, I, I don't know. It may be second, s- goal. second goal. He's got two goals and two assists, I think, now. Yeah, I was going to say he's got some assists as well. But he has been really, really good for them. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it's Man City, and it's always going to be an uphill struggle. So an uphill struggle for every team in that league. Um, and that's just where we're at with it just now. doesn't mean it's not, it won't ever change, but just now, when they come to town, you know you're in for a tough night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kind of panned out like that in the end. But, I mean, it was a, it was a cracking game. I mean, Alvarez, that free kick he had, he was incredibly unlucky. Mm-hmm. Um, for West Ham, he fizzed it and I got the crossbar. And, yeah, let's like say there was loads of chances. And I really enjoyed that. I thought it was a cracking game. Graham, a guy that's gone under the radar a little bit um, is the, the Man City striker, Alvarez. He's he's actually been really, really good this season. He's got loads of assists already, hasn't he? Yeah, we talked about him last season. We said the guy walks into most other Premier League mm-hmm. teams, but he's got a hand to share it with. And Pep obviously comes out and says, look, with um, losing Gundogan last season, with De Bruyne out, like... Uh, He's 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 came into the team had a lot more chances and he's he's taken them and you you can't say otherwise he's looked excellent and he, again we'll, we'll talk about that again and again like we did last season but for the amount of money they spent in him fifteen um, million wasn't it 
<laughs> it's hilarious. And, and and just when we go back to like Man U, you know, that's the difference right now between clubs yeah. that with a good scouting system, solid buys compared to what they are spending. I've got to go back to Erling Holland though. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like uh, Areola had a really good game when I look at the stats for Ireland. He did have nine shots, but he had mm-hmm. an eight. An eighty-six percent shot accuracy. Ariola also had ten saves in the game. I think I would take a strike like Alan Dog Day along if he's having a bad day and he's still scoring. So um, give give me him all day long. Graham, I'm keen to get your thoughts on. Did you see the interaction between Paqueta and Pep pre-game? Um, there was a there was a there was a there was a show. Um, it's been put up all over Instagram. Sorry, Twitter, where pre pre kickoff. Pep's sitting in the, in the dugout um, in his chair, and Paqueta leaves the play, well, sorry, leaves the, the field to go over and shake Pep's hand and then runs back into his position. And I know I'm only calling it because I've seen on Twitter a lot of West Ham fans are really not happy with that because obviously there was a link of them potentially buying him um, at the beginning of the season. I'm just keen to get what your thoughts are just obviously on that. I mean, is that, that's, that, that's a bit of a red flag, isn't it? That completely passed me by. I've not, I've not seen that. But yes, absolutely. Look, I'd be livid. I always when I when I look at when I look at things, especially in the Premier League, and mm-hmm. doesn't matter what club it is. When I see like after teams have lost and the managers are smiling or the players are hugging and laughing on the pitch, swapping shirts at half time. That sort of thing really, really pisses me off. And I think about if I was Rangers, Bob, I'd be fuming. So. If that's, uh, I always go back. If that's my own club's player and he's doing that, yes, I'd, I'd personally lose my shit with that sort of thing for sure. So I can understand if there's been a reaction, but I, yeah, I've not seen that. I've managed to miss that completely. Sorry, mate. Something I forgot to chuck on for the Man United game. Similar vein, different people, but I don't know if you noticed it, but there was section eight of the home fans um, when Brighton scored the third. Oh, is so that the half and off? The half and off? No, they had phones out recording them right up to the players when Brighton scored. Mm-hmm. They're recording sitting in the home end seat. Listen, if you're listening, don't ever, ever do that. That is mm-hmm. bogging. Put your phone away and enjoy the game. I think there was a lad that I think I think he had like a he had like a half and half scarf on sitting in the Manchester end recording the third celebration. Yeah. He just like, oh, that's cringe. That's uh, yeah. that's that's. It makes a you wonder goal. how many actual home fans are there. You know, local home fans. Because mm-hmm. I mean, if that was say for a Scottish game, that would be the wash. You know, yeah. you'd be in trouble if you done something like that. It makes you wonder how much is tourist and how much is actual season ticket. Do you even sell half and halves in Scotland? No, no, unless you mean like alcohol, half okay, a drink. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll move it on then, Johnny. Um, the the evening game seen um, a, a very tense Newcastle v Brentford. Um, I know Graham's got some strong feelings on 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 that penalty decision, but uh, what was your thoughts on the on the Newcastle performance, Johnny? That was very much a three points needed, wasn't it? Aye, yeah, you needed to get. Um... Get the points on the board. I think they had five changes before that game. Um, I mean, I don't think there was a hell of a lot in the game, if I'm honest. There were some big chances. I think it was Wissah. He missed an absolute sitter very, very early on. Um, and Bruno for Newcastle came out of the back post with a header. Should have done better or at least hit the target, but he put it just just wide of the target. So, I mean, there was, there was big chances. Um, the... 
you're going to talk about the penalty. The the that's a loud goal. Yeah, remind me what yep. happened. Um, that was the was that the offside one? Was they were, was it the angle? Was it the angle? Who was it? Was it I can't think off the top of my head. Was it the? I've wrote, I've scrolled it down. This will all go. This will go madness. But I don't. I've, I've lost it. I've lost it in my head. <laughs> I'm trying to think off the top of my head if it was a disallowed goal for that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, obviously, oh, there definitely was. was. Um, did you? Obviously, obviously the the, the cancel penalty. Is that what you're talking about? Oh, that was it. Was a penalty that, that was uh, that he was in sent Blamer. to the VAR. Yeah, he mm-hmm. was sent to the VAR to go and check it one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he basically he basically said that um, he overruled himself, didn't he? Um, Graham, obviously, I know you said um, you know that there was the penalty that was given. Um, what's your thoughts on the penalty that was given? Listen, I think when Alan Shearer is on match today saying that it was a terrible decision going for Newcastle, I think that says it all, to be honest. Um, nev- never a penalty. No way. Absolutely no chance. He actually has to pull his leg out, doesn't he? He actually plants it so it doesn't... A, I think it comes down to consistency again. Um, there was a, uh, it, it was on match today. If anyone watched match today, they, they, they talked about it there where it was the, you know, I think it was Brentford, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was Brentford in yeah. the first game of the season against Tottenham. Mm-hmm. Um, and the player comes through, hits over the bar, and the keeper takes him out. And it's like what they call is unavoidable contact, kind of after the ball's hit. So, for me, it's not even, sometimes it's not just about the foul, but it's just about the consistency, man. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a bit different if you look back and that Brentford Tottenham penalty was given or it's not given and then this one's not given. All every football fan wants is just a bit of consistency and, and it's absolutely not there. And I think that's what drives people up the, up the bend. Yeah. So, yeah. It was, it, was, it was definitely not a great one. Johnny, sorry, what were you going to say? Was that a Gordon? Yeah, Anthony Gordon yeah. when he... He swung yeah, down. I mean, Gordon's clever when he goes into that because he knows the com- the keeper's committing, and rather than he knows he's losing that ball, yeah, he anticipates the contact going, as well, doesn't he? He knows he's going to be doing nothing wet, so he actually turns his ass so that the the keeper comes in him. He actually turns his tail so he doesn't get hurt, but he still gets the contact. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I agree. It was never a penalty a million years, but that's why you wonder what is VAR doing. You know, it looks fairly straightforward, but it comes to the same point again. Like Graham said, consistency a hell of a lot of the time. It just isn't there, and that's when fans start to get frustrated. Yeah. I think they've obviously lost a few games Newcastle, so they needed three points. Arguably, it wasn't deserved, but um, I think a draw was probably a more well-deserved point, but um, three points is three points. Um, we That moves us into the Super Sunday, but it was probably not Super Sunday. Um, we had uh, Bournemouth and Chelsea and Everton and Arsenal. Um, Graham, um, I've written down one billion reasons for what's going on with Chelsea. I think everybody's reading the same thing there, aren't they? Um, Chelsea just can't seem to be getting these... Comp- they just don't look like they're scoring. They don't look like they're getting the points. They don't look like they're getting any consistency. Um, what's your thoughts on 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 Chelsea? Well, both games, I only managed to see the, the Bournemouth-Chelsea game. I didn't think it was actually too bad. I know it was nil nil, but I think I've seen a lot of worse nil nils. Um it's interesting Posh after the game saying uh he's not I guess he's not overly he's not worried. worried. Yeah. yeah, right. Um 
I don't know. I think that's pulling its straws somewhat. I, I feel like the last five minutes of the game, <laughs> Bournemouth looked likely to score. <laughs> could have easily scored. Um, certainly Chelsea had the line share, and, and there was definite times where you're, you're wondering how they've not scored there, but that's a worry. Um, online, you'll see videos of Jackson and some of the, <sighs> some of the swings he's taking. It's like, this is Chelsea's top striker after spending a billion and, and you can totally get it um, I think when you've got Mudrick and, and Sterling either side as well, you're expecting a hell of a lot more um, mm-hmm. and just the amount of money they've spent, I still don't get Conor Gallagher, I don't see how they can spend so much and yet it's Conor Gallagher still playing I do not understand it, I read a stat about him and Something about some of his defensive works, some of the best in the Premier League, blah, blah, blah. Look, Chelsea are way off it. What was more shocking was that he was actually the captain. When you've got people like Thiago Silva on the pitch, Conor Gallagher was wearing the armband. And listen, it goes to show, I guess, what I know when you're talking about Mauricio Postino, but um, I, I just, they seem so far away. And mm-hmm. I think Pep was asked about Manu in a press conference uh, today and he scoffed and he kind of scoffed at Chelsea as well. You can see why they are miles off it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's really concerning if if you're, uh, if you're a Chelsea fan and when you look at the start to the season they've had, they've played five games and three of those games have been against Luton, Nottingham Forest and Bournemouth. I mean, again, you talk about potential writing on the wall and they've not got Europe to kind of distract mm-hmm. themselves with this season. I don't know. Uh, unless it's one of those, they're just going to hit the ground running. But I, I, just, I just don't see it. I don't see there's something in there ready to pop. But listen, I could be wrong. I don't think Pochettino is great. I'm not entirely sure what he's achieved. Okay, we can look at PSG, but take PSG aside. I mean, what is he? What has he achieved? And was he there because he was the biggest name that they could get at that time? Mm-hmm. Um, talks with Enrique and Nagelsmann maybe broke down. Who knows? But I just don't see what Pochettino's going to do with Chelsea. So it'll be interesting to watch. But the amount of money they've spent, oh my God, is there a lot of is there a lot of talking pressure on them? Johnny, I, I know I love to give you shit for Chelsea, but um, I seen an interesting start early that kind of, I say interesting, it's not interesting, it's really, really bad. And it's, we're in September and Chelsea have got six wins in the whole of this calendar year across all competitions. That's crazy, isn't it? And that's before you even start talking about the money that they've spent and the amount of managers that they've had. Six wins across all competitions in September this year and we're on the ninth month. Hi. Are you worried as a Chelsea fan? It's all dog meat, isn't it? Um, I'm more worried about who's at the reins than I am about what's getting put on the pitch because I think that's where the problem lies. Um, I, I don't think... I think they're probably one of the most scattergun clubs in the United Kingdom. They, they buy what they don't need. They overbuy for positions. Um. Yes, there has been a problem with injury. I seen something earlier that I mean I mentioned this before, but now you can actually make a solid starting eleven with what's injured, and it's worth a uh, three hundred eighty-five million. I mean, and we're talking some big names like uh, your your uh, your Nkuku, your your Casado, your James, your Shabalai, uh, Fafana, Kukurela, Lavia. I can go on and on and on. 
I mean, we're but, talking a lot of players out. I'm not sure that's sh- 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 Surely you're not looking for sympathy with that, though. You know, I know if you spend a billion pound, then you can have you can have up to three teams, really, couldn't you? <laughs> yeah, no, listen, I saved that before. When it comes to a hell of a lot of these games, it's not an excuse. They should have enough. Um, but it is a problem. Yeah. It's a problem for any team. Any team that have 11 first-team players is going to mention it. Um, what did they do? I think I've highlighted this for you before, and I think I've mentioned it here, that the creative spark is not there. I think they can cope defensively in midfield. I think they can cope at the back. Um, even the keeper, Sanchez, I think Sanchez is, a, is a solid enough. But in the middle of the park, once they get into the final third, yes, Enzo does not waste the ball. Yeah, Enzo Fernandez doesn't waste the ball. He's one of the most accurate passers in that team. The problem is it's having that cutting-edge pass, that eye to split up defence. They don't have anybody in the park to do that. I don't think Gallagher's been awful. I really don't. Uh, I just think he's very, very similar to the rest of the lads in midfield. There's far too much on the defensive side. Um, yeah, they work tirelessly off the ball, but when they get on the ball, as soon as they get into the final third, they either run out with ideas or whoever gets on the end of it, spurns it, which is just happening every game. I see that the, the looting game, I highlighted that, that you sounds can't like put any weight on it. Sounds like they need a Mason Mount. Yeah, I'm going to start <laughs> showing it you, mate. Um, it's, listen, it's, been, it's not just a new thing. Yeah, It's yeah. been going on for a while. But the problem for me lies, that's the problem on the pitch, the creative spark, but also above. They just keep throwing these names and players and money at managers and saying, here, that's your toys, make it work. It doesn't work like that. There has to be that unity. There has to be that contact between the manager. I'm pretty sure all the top managers, they might not have the say in everything, but they definitely have some weight in what comes in. Uh, I don't think they have that at Chelsea. Um, Graham, I know obviously um, you, you love talking about Bournemouth, but uh, a little mention for them because they did they did keep a you know Chelsea at bay. Um, that's the third point of the season so far. Um, they had the chances in the game as well, didn't they? They did, as I said, the last five minutes. I thought they were going to score. To be honest, um, they had a few more chances here and there for sure. I think. Um, they gave quite a few debuts as well um, at the weekend. They've spent relatively well. Um, they've made an, not a great start to the season, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess when you look at the teams they've played, Liverpool away, Tottenham at home, now Chelsea home, Brentford away, look, it's maybe tough. They're obviously trying a new style of football as well. Um I do think they are going to be one of the. I think I do think they'll survive this season. I've just got a feeling they're going to survive, and I think they've got some really, really decent players as well. Um, I, I just yes, carry on. Sorry. Sure, I was just going to say. Do, do you think that's? I'm actually pleasantly surprised. I think this season their best player has been arguably the keeper. He's actually pretty good when you know from a shot stopping point of view. He's done really well this season. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. <clears throat> yeah, Neto, yeah, he's um he's got a relatively good track track mm-hmm. history as well. He's played for some really big clubs, plenty of appearances from Fiorentina to Valencia to Barcelona. So he's got plenty of experience in the big leagues as well. And yeah, he's shown it. Uh, of course you need a good uh, keeper to kind of um, build from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really like Max Allens. I think he's a really good player. He's shrewd by, shrewd by this season for them. Yeah, de- yeah definitely. 100%. I think they've made a couple of those shrewd buys. So, 
I think they I do think they'll be okay. Um they could do with picking up maybe another win by this point in the season, certainly another couple of points even, but I do think they'll be okay. And just when we talk about Chelsea, what what I wanted to mention earlier was just, you know, we, we talk about doom and gloom, but for all the money they've spent, they do have a very, very young team. They only had two players over 25 years old, only one over 28. So they do have a young team, but it's just about making that click. I'm laughing. I think I seen a start. I think I seen a start the other day. And it was something like Chelsea's combined bench was something like three thousand four hundred and sixty-eight minutes of first-team football. Three thousand two hundred of them were all Chilwell. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like it's absolutely madness when you think you know how young that team actually is, and they've actually got a lot of youngsters out on loan as well. One thing I do have to say, though, is Cole Palmer, I didn't get the buy. I didn't understand yeah. it at the time, and I've got to say, when he came on. I don't know. I I just think I get that they're looking to buy a lot of the best young talent, but um, I, I did raise an eyebrow what they spent from. He comes on and he should be he should be scoring. I mean, he should be scoring even before the chance came back to him. He mm. played a honking ball out to Stell in the first place as well. I just think. Mm, I, think Chelsea, I think Johnny said that when he was talking about that I think Chelsea have got a really bad track record of buying players just to stop other teams buying them and I look at your Mudericks, your Palmers you know, they could have went to other teams easily but Chelsea kind of swooped in and didn't, wanted them when they didn't They didn't necessarily need them they've, you know, they've got plenty of players in those positions they, For me, it's, it's still just the size of their squad it's just insane, it's just insanely big and they, they, still, need, they still need to trim it significantly but if they get that right balance they've got plenty of young players and you're talking about maybe if it is more of a project look two years of this team playing together the amount of talent they've got the youngsters I mean yes absolutely you could see them you could see them pushing but yeah. I see Posh Dino taking them right now and doing that absolutely not well that's, that's what I was going to say to Johnny obviously we, we all agree there's some kind of project going on but surely Pochettino doesn't get the time to, to oversee the project because if, if he keeps getting results like that, then that's only going to go one way, isn't it? They have to give them time. They can't keep doing it. It's not working. But like I say, I still don't think the managers and the previous managers, however many want to go back, haven't been yeah. a problem. It's the same thing. It's the same problem. And I thought we were doing so well when we had the fire sale. I thought, okay, we're finally trimming the squad. Mm-hmm. Get rid of some of the youth that you're never going to use as well. Excellent, and then it just went mental. It was like, <laughs> how many centre midfielders do we need? I said to you, I think I said we need yeah. another one, maybe two, because we had sold so many midfielders to Saudi. But then the next, it just went mad. And then to top like, it off, like Graham said, four. we throw stupid money at Man City for basically what looks like Rodney Trotter. It's just chaos. <laughs> I do feel a bit of sympathy. Well, I probably don't, but like Lavia obviously signing, getting a big move, and then. You know, pulling a pulling an injury, which kind of rules him out for the next two months. Um, you can't account for those kind of things. One that and Kungu is the one I was really disappointed yeah. about. Like, I haven't yeah. I haven't seen him play against Rangers for like. I, I, I think I, he's I that really missing think... spark that Johnny's talking about. He's, maybe, maybe, no. but maybe yes, maybe no. But he's such a good player, mm-hmm. and I really wanted to see him in the Premier League, and I was devastated. Uh, to be honest, like you want to see the best uh, as a complete neutral when it comes to Premier League, you want to see yeah. the best players play at their best level, and that's why Havertz, for example, has been such a disappointing for me. And I really look forward to seeing Nkunku come back. 
Um, and that takes us on to the last game, Johnny. Um, good old Toffees um, against the Gunners. Um, for those that don't know, this has actually been a bit of a hoodoo for Michael Arteta. And he'd uh, lost his last, or he hadn't won in his last four games. So it was inevitable that um, he was he was going to rate that at some point. Johnny, Johnny, from the game, I, th- I think we all expected it to be a lot more dogged, a lot more, a lot more bite in the game. But was it? Arsenal were just too good, or was it just Everton too toothless? I think a hell of a lot of it had to do with Arsenal move the ball so well, and Everton struggle to close that space. And they did chase shadows a hell of a lot of the time, but I thought they were fairly dogged. Um, to be fair to them, they did have a bit of bite. Um, they did have a go. They just didn't have the quality, mate. Um, I noticed it quite early on. You had them trying to play out for the back, be a Pickford. And it just looked it looked like chaos. Um, mm-hmm. It would do okay if a goalkeeper around defensive played some triangles, but then they just kept cutting out the entire midfield and going long. I do hell. You know, so I was like, off. why are you playing out for the back? <laughs> just get to the keeper and let them do the job. Um, but they kept repeating that. But <coughs> excuse me, but I mean, I thought I thought it probably would have been more. Be Arsenal, we got two or three. Um, I think Everton, listen, I can't say it enough. I think they're in dire straits. I don't think Dyche is going to last a hell of a lot longer if it keeps, if it, it just keeps losing. Um, and it's it's back to what we talked about. They, they, they are a team made for relegation. They sign for relegation. They, um, they play like they're playing for relegation. We're only a few games in. So Arsenal don't have to get the job done, yeah. Uh, the 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 Martinelli, the VAR call, you know, it was kind of controversial. Yeah, I, I, at the time. I was going to say, somebody going to make this make logical for me because I don't, I don't yeah. get it. I said it was messy, mate, and I think the big biggest problem with it is, at least for for what I've seen, is the angles that we've seen were awful. Yeah, I'm not saying that's the only angles they had. I doubt it was, but showing you want to let people understand how you're arriving to the call that you've made. You can't make that call with an offside and show us for like 20 yards angle behind. Um, and then the explanation after was just all over the place. Uh, the info was minimal. You know, there was talk of first half. Could it come for his own half? Did it come off a defender? And none of it was actually clear. It took them for God knows how long till after the game before it was actually explained. And even then, I still wasn't convinced, if I'm honest with you. Um, but, I mean, end of the day, Arsenal got the job done. The, the goal was outstanding, outstanding team goal, mate. Beautiful finish in the, the the triangles that they played around the box before they actually broke through. It just Everton had nothing. You know, they were still looking for the ball, but you know, it was in the back of the net. Yeah. Um but yeah, mate, I mean listen, Arsenal got another win. It's a decent start for them. That's what they need. So like we've talked about with so many other teams, moving to European football and we'll see how they do. Well obviously uh... Got to say about Evan, like, um, I really oh, I thought like you Tr- were going to say something nice about Trossard, though. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> um, it was a lovely goal, but yeah. <laughs> um, look, Evan, I really like Sean Dyche, and um, the, the, the problem with Evan, as we all know, is just a lack of goals. And you think they sing mm-hmm. Beto, he gets his goal in his league debut, yeah, eh, sorry, in his debut, fair enough, it's a way to Doncaster, but, like yeah, a way to Doncaster, and you're thinking, okay, um. Maybe great, good start. That's what you want. No goals in the next game, and then he doesn't get a shot against Arsenal. So it's like it's just this same 
I'm just other okay, other than the Arsenal game, if you look at some of their stats for their games before, they do have a lion's share of the game. It's just making their chances pay. They're losing by a goal. That's the third one 0 defeat at Goodson Park this season in the league. And you're talking about the margins there between not yeah. being able to score is potentially a minimum three points with about three draws. I mean, it is ludicrous and I just I feel like this battle I think maybe an exciting player but if you're if you're an Everton fan you're wanting a goal scorer but again you need someone more you need someone more versed in English game and he wasn't and he isn't he's, and I'm not right very, he's very fast he just he's just not doing anything when he gets yeah up. yeah and it's and that's the thing they just they need somebody clinical they don't need somebody big. They don't need somebody fast. They need somebody who can just bury the ball with a touch, couple of touches, and it is a worry for them. I think if they'd sorted their goal problems, they they would have had a few points by now. Generally, I think that is a difference, specifically good in part. But yeah, it's looking pretty tough for them. And I think, sorry, sorry, I think the keepers are going to be isolated as well. I think it's going to be hard for somebody like Bell to perform because. A game and there's no disrespect, what's behind them is hardly going to blow teams out of the block. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have a lot of creativity, you know, their midfield is pretty much a solid. Idrisa guy, punch, Ducode, you know, yeah. They're all defensive, they're all strong, mm-hmm. but again, maybe a bit similar to Chelsea, that, that wee spark in the middle. I suppose there was one bonus. Calvert Lewin came on for 20 minutes and never got injured. <laughs> and, and I think the biggest thing about Everton's we touched on early game is that their next four fixtures, their next five fixtures, they've got Brentford away, they're at home to Luton, they're at home to Bournemouth, and then it's the Merseyside Derby, they're at Anfield. Like they could easily, they could easily be what maybe two points better off, maybe three points better off by the end of all that, which is not great when you look at the table as it currently stands and see that they, I think they've only got a point so far, haven't they? Yeah, exactly. Like the games against specifically home to Luton and Bournemouth again, mm-hmm. that tells you everything you need to know. I mentioned that about Luton early on. Not that I would write off Everton this early, like I would maybe write off Luton, for example, depending how their results go. But Everton, man, you've got Luton and Bournemouth at home. It's like every week's a six pointer for them, isn't it? Right now it is. And when you're not when you're not getting the goals and you're losing narrowly at home, I mean God. That's that's the relegation teams in it. I mean, if you're not picking yeah. up the points at home, it's just a complete uphill str- uh, struggle. And I, I, is this the last season at Goodson as well? I'm not actually yeah. sure. It is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there you go. I mean, God, you, it's gonna be a long old season if you're not picking up at least at least six points from the next three games. I mean, it, it's looking dire at that yeah, point. I think not to kind of jump the gun, but if they go down, going into this new stadium, into the championship, that'll be that'll be a killer for them. That'll be that'll be such a, so tough to get back out of. But then again, maybe they just need to look at it as positively oh, yeah. as possible and go, this is a complete refresh, a restart. Let's do it. But I mean, yeah, they've survived it the last two seasons, but maybe they're just dicing. Dice me death too much in that in that respect when it comes to yeah. relegation and yeah I don't know if they can go another season. Um, Johnny, just looking forward to the next round of fixtures. There's some uh, some absolutely spicy ones in there. Um, you've got Arsenal, Spurs, 
as we've already called it, Everton are away to Brentford. Um, you've got Luton v Wolves, which looks just as big, just a six-pointer, you know, just by going on both teams need the points already. Um, you've got Liverpool v West Ham, two teams that have started the season strong. Um, which ones are you going to be looking forward to? Go on, tell me Chelsea, Aston Villa. Oh, fuck no. <laughs> no. I've done half, mate. Can't do it anymore. Um, it's quite a balanced weekend, to be honest, mm-hmm. in terms of the games. Um, there's a hell of a lot of them that are really, really difficult to call, mate. There's a lot on at two o'clock on the Sunday, which screams that European football's back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it kind of sucks a wee bit. You would hope they would spread the three over a day, but it's not to be. Um, yeah, the Liverpool West Ham looks looks quite good. Arsenal Spurs, obviously, they're both playing well, and that'll be really probably be the one I'd love to see how it pans out, who comes out on top. Um, but yeah, out with that, mate, it's very, very close. I think, like you said, Luton. It's a huge game for them. Um, I mean, listen, I don't want to put a damper on anything. I think they're done anyway. I really do. I just don't think they have the resources to cope. But if they get three points, at least it would it would give them all a lift. Um, mm-hmm. It'd be nice to see. And I didn't mean that as a bad thing. I've got nothing against Wolves. Um, I think they're two clubs that are in trouble this season. So yeah, it is, it is a huge game. Graham, you look at the spot. You look at the Sunday games, for example, and you've got Arsenal, Spurs, Brighton, Bournemouth, Chelsea, Villa, Liverpool, West Ham. But the live game is Sheffield United, Newcastle. I feel like I'm being cheated. <laughs> I'm a bit confused that the, the Arsenal Tottenham is it just not live at all? I mean, that's an abs- that's a disaster. Uh, usually, yeah. that usually just throws up quite a few goals. Um, yeah. I, like as Johnny said about Luton, I'm, I'll, I'll definitely be looking forward to just keeping an eye on that one. See. I see what the score is, but uh, Manu away to Burnley, Saturday yeah, night, yeah. 8 o'clock. Um, Burnley have started pretty poorly, three home games, three defeats. Mm-hmm. Um, they're drawing just now away to Nottingham Forest, so, I mean, that is a big game if you're yeah. a Manu. Uh, <laughs> if you're a Manu, I mean... I don't think if you're Manu, you don't want to be going away from home at 8 o'clock at night, that's Saturday. <laughs> away to Burnley, yeah, I got, <laughs> nah, it's minging, that is minging. And then do a question, Short trip, but it's still minging. The questions start to be asked at Den Hag um, if they lose that. So like, that's a big win. That'll be a good wee Saturday night one to watch. And yeah, Everton away to Brentford. Like, again, it's the same thing as Den Hag. Is, is the pressure mounting Sean Dyche again if they don't pick up anything? So look, um, it's good. It's interesting, the sixth game of the season. And uh, we're talking about managers losing their jobs, writing teams off for relegation mm-hmm. uh, and all of that. She, she, she just said that. She, she just said you were talking about, obviously, Burnley and Manu. Can I forget that? Man, you go away to Munich on Wednesday night. Like the way Bayern Munich are playing right now in terms of scoring goals, in terms of how Man United are defending, I'd be very, very fearful for Sandro Martinez. Yeah, the weekends, the weekends started at Bayern Munich first yeah. year. Listen, you look at a Man U last season, you think they would cope in the Champions League, but then this season suddenly it's like, oh man, maybe the Europa League was better for you. But look, it'll be yeah. interesting to see. Maybe look, we've seen a lot of clubs in the past struggle in the league and then turn it on in, in Europe. So you never know. Um, I wouldn't write off Man U ever, but it's, it's, I'm with you. I wouldn't be wanting to face Bayern Munich necessarily with, with Harry Kane just now. Yeah, and Johnny, just lastly, um, we've got the group of death, uh, Newcastle away to AC Milan and then having to go to Sheffield United. Um, that 
that's pretty much now if anybody doesn't know the, the Milan right now is on the torrential downpour and uh, hurricane style winds and I seen a video earlier of one of the reporters it looks absolutely minging um probably Just not like the Scotland ideal. <laughs> probably not the ideal for you making your Champions League debut again uh coming back into it but uh, they've got a big week ahead of them as well haven't they yeah, I mean, it's going to, like we say, it's it's always intriguing to see how teams deal with, you know, some of the old guard that have uh, not only won it, but been playing in it for a long time. They, they know what to expect. But yeah, yeah, these teams are going to have a, I think they are going to have a hard time. I mean, Newcastle have got a tough group. Yeah. Um, a really tough group. Um, yeah, I think Man United have got to struggle. I know some teams do well in Europe, but with the exception of Copenhagen, I think they might toil against the uh, Bayern and Galatasaray. Galatasaray are yeah, scoring just, goals right now. They're scoring they're average two just, to three goals a game at the moment. Both the Turkish teams have thrown a lot of money at it this summer. Yeah, they are. A lot yeah. of money at it. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Is that, is that about, about, that's about Zaha, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We talk about uh, Newcastle. I think their flight was heavily delayed because they're in... And I think as of 8 o'clock, they still weren't any in Milan. So, I mean, you're talking about usually a team will train in the evening going over the, the boat or something. So, it'll be interesting, <laughs> to, be interesting <laughs> to see what, what that's going to do to their preparation as well. So, yeah. Right, guys. Well, that's kind of brought us to the end of this week's coverage. Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, as ever, if you have any comments, if you have any suggestions or any kind of thoughts on what we've discussed, please leave leave comments in, in uh, the comments section on YouTube and uh, we'll call them out. We'll get back to you on them. Um, we could even use them for the next pods. But uh, we'll be looking forward to seeing you this time next week. Um, by this time next week, we would have had the first round of the Champions League, UEFA Cup and Europa Leagues and obviously another round of EPL to kind of cover and see what we're picking up as, as left over as ever thanks very much guys johnny nice to have you back on thanks very much yeah thanks again for having me mate it's been a pleasure graham jamie always fun thank you good man and graham as ever thank you very much for being part of it yeah cheers mate it's good to come and talk about it and as i watch my fantasy team surge off the league table i've, I've went up for uh, 400 places in the last two weeks so i am uh, places not sure what was your what was your points for the week <laughs> Do you know so, what my point? My points of this week weren't uh, weren't amazing either. But I think yeah. it was just maybe a poor week for everyone else. So my points this week were fifty-one, but an average of forty. So I guess that's that's where I'm seeing the surge. But considering I was nine hundred ninety-ninth a few weeks ago, and I'm four hundred ninety-third, I'm I'm pretty happy with that. So yeah, five hundred places I've actually. I guarantee was huge for I, this week. It was. I guarantee week. this time next week, everybody will have taken a surge up the league because Colin has finally done some work on trying to cipher out all the all the non-human players that have in the, in the league um, and he sent me the list of manually having to go through and delete so your 400 surge Graham could be another 300 surge by the end of next week non, non, <laughs> non-human <laughs> right guys thank you very much and we'll speak to you all next week peace out Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.